This episode is brought to you by our friends at Detroit Boxing Company. They're a clothing brand that focuses on quality and comfort. I have a few of their shirts and they are comfy as hell. And not only are you going to look great, but I swear when I put my shirt on, I can throw my jab cross hook way better. Maybe that's just the placebo effect, but I swear it looked way better. If you want to learn more about the company and what TJ has been putting together, you should listen to episode number 36 of the podcast. I had a chance to talk to him about his motivations and what inspired him to start the company. He's a wonderful dude and what he's putting out is great. So be sure to check out their website at DetroitBoxingCompany.com. And at the checkout, make sure you use the word CoreyCast, all one word, no E, C-O-R-Y-C-A-S-T, and save yourself 10% at checkout. It's time to treat yourself. Nick is our next guest today on the podcast, and he is a great human, very inspiring person. He reached out to me to be on the podcast and was through the roof when I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's figure out a day. Come on down to the office. We kind of had to do a little bit of a different setup this time. So if you're watching at home, uh, we shot it in my office off my computer and hopefully it turned out okay. I don't want to go too much in depth with this intro because I want the podcast to kind of speak for itself. So here is my friend Nick Corgi. Hey everyone, my name is Nicholas Corgi. I was born and raised here in Syracuse. Um, I'm a graduate of Fayetteville Manlius High School in 2010, as well as a graduate of OCC in May 2014 with a bachelor's in, well not a bachelor's, an associate's in professional communication. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah. After OCC, I, while I was at OCC, I had a couple of internships with the call with OCC as well as Advocates Incorporated, in which one of my duties was having my radio show called Lives of Distinction. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Was it like a podcast? Do you call it a radio show? Was it like an interview podcast or how? Um, it was through a system called. It was through a site called Blog Talk Radio. Oh, okay. Um, it used to be on the Advocates website, but since the radio show got canceled, a lot of the marketing has changed. So they cut out the radio show from their website, but you can still look at the interviews on Blog Talk Radio. Have you ever thought about doing it again, like doing a podcast with it? I'm, I've been thinking about it, but I'm still trying to figure out like the logistics of like how to go about it. Yeah, maybe we could talk after and I can help you. Kind of, sh- I can show you how, like, I set up my podcast and how I do things a little bit. Yeah. It's actually, it's like really easy to use, and it's very. Uh, you can just uh, get a microphone like this one online, mm-hmm. and with one program, you could record it, and you'd have stuff ready to go. Oh, cool! You know, the cool thing with technology is not all the times do I do these podcasts like person to person. Usually, it's over over the computer. You know, so you could talk to anybody all over the world. Yeah. What kind of people did you, like, what was the the focus for the radio show? So Advocates, which is the agency I've done the radio show throughout, it is a, it's kind of like a similar organization to Arc of Onondaga, Mm -hmm. in which they provide services for the disabled. 
And a lot of the individuals I interviewed received self-determination services provided by advocates. I've interviewed, you know, a woman with Down syndrome who represented the Olymp who represented the US who represented USA in the Olympics in Athens, Greece. Oh, that's cool. And she has Down syndrome. I've interviewed a gentleman who has autism like me, but he is but he works at the Fayetteville YMCA. Right. As like the checker. I've interviewed another person who does theater with the Red House. Cool. And when you approach these interviews, how do you structure the questions? Do you come prepared with a list of stuff or do you kind of just free ball a conversation? Um, it's usually I have a list of questions, but then if someone gives me an answer, I follow up with that question. So it's kind of a little bit of both. Yeah. I usually... Like, like I was telling you earlier, I like to think of this more as a conversation rather than interviews. Sometimes interview just makes it sound like I'm pressing you with questions, you know? Yeah. I just want to learn more about you. That's all. Yeah, you should really – I think you would have a really fun time doing uh, a podcast. It would be really easy to start up. Who was uh, – what did you learn through the whole process of doing the radio show? Um, well, when you think of radio, you think of people – you think of music, you think of sports, you think of entertainment, but there's no radio show out there that focuses on individuals with disabilities. Mm. And with this interview, it gave, you know, not only me an opportunity to get to know about them, but it also gave others an opportunity to share their stories. Mm. Because, you know, not many people admit they have a disability. Right. You know, so it takes a lot of courage for them to get their story out there and it gives people more of an interest, you know, right. Then, then just your average, you know, sports, music. Yeah. Interview. Podcast, yeah. Or a talk show podcast or like what I do with a little, well, that's the cool thing about podcasts too, is there's so much, there's so much different. There's so much variety between them, you know, yeah. like I, I listen to one, that's like an advice talk show with three brothers. And then mm -hmm. the same three brothers have a Dungeons and Dragons podcast that I listen to. So it's very like complete opposites. You can get find all kinds of spectrums of podcasts. Yeah. Do you listen to any of them yourself? Um, well, I was actually featured in a couple during the pandemic, one with your friend Abel. Yeah. That's yeah. how I connected you through. Yeah. Shout out to Abel. I love that guy. Um, called Local Legends. And before that, um, a friend of mine, um, who is the developmental director for the Dicossi. Mm -hmm. um, well, she now is getting a job in Rochester, but she's working in Syracuse remotely. During the pandemic, she started a podcast called Voices of Impact, which is kind of like your podcast enables in the way that she interviews people that have made a difference in the Syracuse community. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's really smart. Well, what's the name of it? It's called Voices for Impact. Oh, okay. Um, you can find that on social. You can find that on your Facebook, Instagram, even Spotify. She has the interviews. So oh, cool. any like social media platform ever existed, that show is on there. Yeah. Is it fun having the role reversed? Like, 
you get to answer the questions rather than you asking people questions? Um, I would say I've been confident in kind of both given my theater background. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about it. So you, you also come from a heavy theater background. Like you love performing, right? I do. I yeah. do. Do you prefer, cause there's different kinds of uh, theater you can do, right? There's musicals, there's shows, yeah. um, comedies, right? Like what, mm-hmm. what do you prefer to, to be a part of? Um, for me, I'm always a musical person. Oh, yeah. Um, plays, I do have a respect for them, but it, they can be a little bit, you know, sleepy in yeah. some aspects of it. Yeah. But musicals, you know, you can do a lot more than just plays, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. You have a little bit more variety, right? Yeah. What was uh, one of the best, uh, one of your favorite things you got to perform? So it's debate. So it's between two. One of them would be Guys and Dolls with the Town of Manlius. Nice. Um, where I got to play the role of Big Julie. This was way before COVID happened. Yeah. In July 2019. And another good one was when I worked at Syracuse Children's Theater as a marketing assistant, I got the opportunity to be in one of their shows, which is Cats. Oh, you got to be in Cats. That's cool. And I got to play the role of Old Deuteronomy because during that time, a lot of the kids couldn't really sing the low notes, you know? Oh, right, right. So what made you get into theater? What was it that that kind of pulled you in, I guess? Well, I would say when I was little, I used to recite lines from movies. Um, A favorite movie I've always repeated lines from is called The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It started when I was like four years old. And we were, my family and I, we were on a plane to Florida. And, you know, in the planes, they have the push phones. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so as a kid, I was, I repeated one of the lines from The Princess Bride and it was, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> you did that over the intercom? Yeah. Oh, and this so was funny. like my very first full complete sentence. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. And um, so. That's impressive. Movie to kick it off. <laughs> and, you know, at the time we also had closed captioning. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so a lot of the dialogue and a lot of the songs, lyrics, you get to see on the screen and get to follow along. And another example was um, when I was little, my family and I went to Dominic's restaurant. Oh, yeah. And, um, And so I made this little speech when I was a kid, and it was like thanking like all the waiters and waitresses for bringing everyone's food. And... I remember the audience applauded for that. (laughs) And so after those instances, my mom saw an advertisement for Syracuse Children's Theater. Right. And, you know, from the very first show that I did, I was hooked on it. Yeah. Like performing in it. You were hooked on the performance aspect, right? Yeah. Because, you know, as a kid, I was never really a sports person. Mm-hmm. And the, and I've always been drawn to theater and pretty much like the arts in general. Mm. So it only makes sense then, right? Right. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, smarter your mom to like get you into something like that that 
really uh, got you excited, right? Right. How old were you when you did the whole wait the waiter thing when you stood up? I think I was like, I I was very young because I first started Syracuse Children's Theater when I was like ten years old. Yeah. And during that time, um, we didn't have a building like we do have like we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of our shows were at the Civic Center. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. That's interesting. Did, um, like, how many shows have you been able to participate in? Um, I've done about, like, around 30-plus productions. And it's through Syracuse Children's Theater. It was through Town of Manlius, um, Baldwinsville Theater Guild. I did a show with them, which, you know won the SALTS Award for Best New Musical. Really? What's a what's a SALTS Award? Is that like a Syracuse local award? The SALTS is kind of like how... It's kind of like our Tony Awards, in a oh, way. Oh, okay. But honoring the theater... But honoring the theater community in Syracuse. Mm, gotcha. That's pretty big. That's yeah. cool. So 30-plus shows from all different venues... Do you have one play that you did that was your favorite? Was it the was it being able to perform in Cats or another? I mean, I'm. It's choosing a play favorite play and musical. It's kind of like choosing your favorite food in the way you don't know. It's a really hard choice yeah. because I would say like a lot of my best roles happen to be the ones that I've been more in leads with. Right. Which uh, which ones have you been leads in? So other than Cats and Guys and Dolls, I was Officer Krupke in West Side Story. Oh, cool. I was um, the Phantom and Phantom of the Opry. Oh. Um, not the opera. Yeah. And um, other shows, I've um, one of the Flying Monkeys in The Wizard of Oz. Oh, that's funny. That's cool, dude. I was, I was uh, when I was younger, I did... Uh, I was the, what do you want to call it, stagehand? I, I made props for the Wizard yeah. of Oz. And that was one of the things is we had to make uh, the poppies, like all of the poppy field. And uh, I think we even did like cardboard cutouts of flying monkeys where we zipped them around on on uh, ropes and stuff, you know. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, do you do you prefer, you always prefer the, the musicals? Like you like to sing and perform, right? Um, absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong, like I said before, about plays. Right. It's just musicals, you know, there's something about a musical that kind of makes you smile, you know, mm-hmm. like whether you're having like a bad day of work or, um, or you know, a friend of yours passes away, you know, yeah. it, when you're in the theater, it kind of, I would say it's like an everyday escape. From like your reality, it's an escapism. I'll be transparent. That's why I like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, because it's very uh, improv-y, which is another thing I want to ask. Did you ever get to do improv? Right? Did you ever? Did you ever have to do that? I mean, I mean, I never took like an improv kind of class, mm-hmm. but my radio show, for me, it's mostly a lot of improv as far as like thinking on your feet. Right. That's what I find the biggest challenge with this, with this po- podcast is I'm always, I come up with like, there's a structured list, right, of mm-hmm. questions that I have 
but a lot of times we just go off the rails and sometimes we don't even talk about the questions that I have prepared or sometimes I ask you questions that I didn't even think of when I put together the sheet mm-hmm. just to help, you know, conversation flow pretty much, you know. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody that you really wanted to play you haven't had a chance to? Well, during COVID, you know, before COVID happened, I was this close to being in a show and it's called Music Man. Mm-hmm. And I was casted as the role of Mayor Shen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, COVID happened in March and our play was supposed to be in June. Mm-hmm. So, I pushed it back. Yeah. Did you guys ever do it? Um, we, we, there's a possibility about, there's a possibility, but I'm not quite sure because mm-hmm. the thing with theater companies is that once you get the rights of a show, you can't get the rights back. Oh, you have a short like window. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Have you ever been? Have you ever thought to put yourself on the other shoe rather than participating, like in acting or singing? Have you thought about directing? Or I don't know what other roles go into it other than like directing. Yeah. Well, when I was in Syracuse Children's Theater, I've done a lot of photography. Oh, okay. Um. So a lot of the roles, a lot of the marketing jobs I did was mostly like photography and we would do, you know, press releases for each kid. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, for each kid, you know, so I would help take the pictures. I would also help update their information as far as the role, the care, their name, their role, the show, the performance dates, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You were the one in charge of putting all those together. Um, Seems like a big task. There's got to be a lot of people, a lot of kids in that. Yeah. um, Syracuse Children's Theater has a lot of students, you know? Yeah, right. Right. And do you have, when you, before you get on stage, do you have a routine or some kind of ritual you do? Um, so in the theater, um, as usual, you know, other than, you know, getting into our costumes, drinking lots of water, um, and warming up, as far as like channel, as far as nerves are concerned, um, there is in the Arabic tradition, um, we have like worry beads oh, okay. that you rub on, you know? Oh, okay. Worry. Right? Yeah. Your worries away. And then you've probably seen this in a lot of Arabic households, but we have what we call like the evil eye, mm. which, you know, shields um, from negativity and harm, kind of like a safe, kind of like, you know, that you're safe in a way. Yeah. And it's just an eye. Yeah. Okay. And there's also, you know, those positive stones that have like a message in them. Oh yeah, the positivity stones. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's so do you use the worry beads every time before you go on stage? Do you have a charm of that eye in your pocket or I think when I first started theater, um I think when I first started theater, I do get a little nervous. Yeah. But now for me it's like an adrenaline rush, you know? Yeah. Being in front of all those people and I I feel like after maybe, maybe do it like three, four times, you start to feel a little more comfortable in the position and also depends on how much 
how much speaking you have to do, how much performing you have to do, too, yeah. right? Do you ever get to play the villain? Do you like to play the villain, the bad guy? Um, so I mentioned a few of the villain roles that I did. I was a pirate in Peter Pan. Oh, okay. I was the Phantom, as I mentioned before. I was in Once on this Island. I played Papa Gay, which is like the god of death. Ooh. Um, the Bailiff in Legally Blonde. I mean, as far as playing like the good guy or the bad guy, um, even though like I'm a nice person in general, it's kind of good to play a character that's like the opposite of you it, from time to time. Is it? Do you think it's beneficial because it helps you get out of like your comfort zone? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. You have to because you wouldn't. You, you really got to think outside the box with mm-hmm. how the Phantom would act or the what was the the death god, the god of death. Yeah. Right. Like you would have to figure out. You have to get into character. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's cool. And you mentioned photography earlier. Are you you're big into photography? Oh yeah. Um. So photography is when I I went into photography way before I got into theater because oh. as I mentioned, I don't know as I mentioned to you before, I come from a Middle Eastern household. Mm-hmm. And in our and in Syracuse, we have a huge Middle Eastern community. Large. Yeah. yeah. Um, lots of doctors, teachers, um, engineers, all different backgrounds. lawyers, yeah. real estate agents. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, I think you know Rhonda Ackle. Yep. Mm-hmm. I work a lot with her. I work a lot of deals with her. Wow. And I just photographed just recently her daughter's wedding oh really yeah Yeah, that's awesome that's cool so we have like a lot of parties and events and when i was little i was very nervous about nervous especially given the fact that i have autism um i was very nervous about going to family events and so my mom given her engineering background she gave me a disposable camera which now everything's gone digital nowadays yeah Yeah, right so she gave me a disposable camera and she told me at every event you are the official photographer and since then you know photographing cakes is like a slice photographing events is like a slice of cake you know in a way yeah because the more you get to do photography the more confident you are and the better you get at it too right yeah because instead of just talking to one person you can like mingle mm-hmm. and so it, gave, it gives me like something to do right in a way so that way i'm not like standing around being like when is this gonna end yeah right right was it just like sensory overload with all the yeah all the people absolutely it was the crowds it was the loud music it was the people chit-chatting back and forth mm-hmm. It's pretty much all the people who drink alcohol, you know? <laughs> yeah, all the stressors. And so, um, and so, um, oh, phot- the photography. Yeah, so the photography, you know, gave me like a sense of confidence when it comes to these events, kind of like theater. And what's really cool about it is that a lot of my photos, um, um, the majority of them are on social media. Oh, that's cool. And what's great is that every is that 
Every time I post a picture, it becomes somebody's profile picture the next day. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's funny. Is it, uh, do you usually do portraits? Like, do you like to take pictures of people or do you not, not very particular about the subject? Um, usually with events, I tell, I view my photography as you would view like a story in a way. Yeah. It, from like the beginning until like the end in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've always, you know, been drawn to like not only the people, but like all the little personal details, like the invitation, if there is an invitation, the de- the decorations, the food. Yeah, the food's the best part. That's why I come to a party. I know. <laughs> and it's very interesting because a lot of the comments I get the, a lot of the comments I get on my Facebook, it's from people outside of the Arab community wish they can go to a party like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. And what do you do? Like, what do you use to photograph the events? Do you have a specific camera? Do you just use your phone? What do you do? Um, for events, I have like a Nikon. Well, I used to have a Nikon, but now I have a Canon, Canon because one of my cameras the battery plate broke oh yeah so that's a bummer what, what do you prefer nikon or canon um i feel like with photography yeah. every time i talk to them it's like red Sox versus yankees yeah it's like i love nikon it's the only thing i use what do you prefer um i mean both of them are pretty nice but i like more of the smaller cameras just because you can have a drink oh, you can God. eat yeah. You know, and not have to worry about Being this like, monstrosity yeah, right. on your shoulder, you know? Yeah, right, right. That's cool. So you have, like, an actual personal camera. Yeah. A smaller, right? Yeah. That's cool. And so you are you got into it because of your mom, huh? Yeah, I mean, because she wanted me to be a little bit more active in the community, mm-hmm. you know? Because when I was little, I cared about, you know... When's the food gonna get here? <laughs> yeah, I'm hungry, yep. and then I want to leave. You know, we're leaving. When's the food, and when can we go? Yeah, because <laughs> it was a lot to handle. It's a lot, but that's very smart. Your mom to kind of like give you mm-hmm. something to kind of, I guess it would kind of pull you out of that situation a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of detach you from all that stuff that's going on. Yeah, there, you know. That's cool. And then, like, you're also a big advocate for people with disabilities. And I am. You've, you've talked to me before about, like, all your cool public speaking events that you've got to do, right? Yep. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What, uh, what, how do you, I guess let's start with the beginning. How do you, if you are going to do a public speaking event, how do you structure your, your speeches? So how I got into public speaking, it was, like, my senior year at FM. Because um, my because one of my good friends, her father is the editor in chief of the Post Standard. Nice. And my, uh, my aunt worked there for a while. Oh, okay. she was a graphic designer. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so um, a friend of mine's father is the editor in chief, and then one of the days, because her and I did theater together, his daughter. So my mom went up to the father and asked him to do like an autism awareness issue Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, April is autism awareness month. Oh, every April. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so um, 
And so, um, so I remember I went to, I went on vacation. It was like Mexico mm -hmm. and I got an email from him and he was like, instead of having a reporter come and interview you questions, why don't you write about your own experiences with autism? Oh. And so with the help of my mom, I was able to get an article together and you can actually find it on the Post Standard website. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's called Surgeon Nicholas Corgi and the title is called Learning How to Live. It's kind of, the title is like Learning and Living with High, fun with high Functioning Autism. Gotcha. And so bulk of, it started with um, that and then, I got, and then my first public speaking engagement, it was to a special ed class at SU, which was at Javonia, where I went to school. Yeah. And then after, so I've done a lot of lecturing to like SU, I've done How OCC. Do you those? Like, do you figure out what the topic is and then write kind of a rough outline? Or are you a person who writes it line by line all the way through? So it started from... Con so most of my contact came from the article. Mm. And um, so my content came from the article, but then at, throughout the years, it keeps changing and changing as I do more and more stuff. Yeah, gotcha. So it's it kind of evolves too. And in each, each public speaking event is probably something different, right? Yeah. Do you actively seek those kind of opportunities? Like if, are you reaching out to various groups to be like a public speaker? Um, well, I've done lecturing for S special ed students at SU, psychology students at OCC. Mm -hmm. um, one of the coolest opportunities I got, it was through the autism, it was an autism caregivers brunch. And I replaced a Hollywood movie star. Really? What Hollywood movie star? Um, her name is Holly Robinson Pete. And then they got a much better candidate, right? Yeah, because what happened was so um, I don't know if you're very familiar with um, Chase Coleman. No, who's that? Um, Chase Coleman is an individual with autism who. Um, who just like I use theater and photography as my outlets, he uses running as an outlet. Oh. And so um, they had a meet in Rochester. Yeah. And apparently they were police officers running after him because he they thought he was running away from something versus like it's a meet. Oh, right, right. And it became a big story in Syracuse. Yeah. What was it again? Um, what was his name? Chase Coleman. I want to. I want to see the article. Yeah. Chase Coleman. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, and actually, his cousin, um, who played for Syracuse, um, is um, is I believe dating one of my Ed Smith friends. Small, small role, huh? Yeah, and so. His mother was the organizer of that autism caregivers brunch mm -hmm. because what happened was, so Holly Robinson Pete was supposed to be speaking at the event. Right. And she failed. And she, and what happened was the event got canceled because it was the women's March. Oh, okay. And so, 
and with Hollywood and with celebrities, you know, tight schedule, they couldn't commit to another day. Mm -hmm. So she asked, so I got asked to kind of replace her at the event. Nice. So did you basically, when you went to do it, you kind of used that article as like an outline and a structure for you? Yeah. Okay. In a way. What we'll do too is um, when uh, we're all set, done with the podcast, you can email me the links and stuff. Yeah. And then anybody who's listening or watching can see the, the link in the description. So this way they can read it and they can see it right right from there too. We'll do your social media links and all that. Yeah. Stuff. I'm sure people want to see your photos that you did and all that stuff. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. Uh, but getting back to the public speaking. So are you very much like a, a structured outline kind of person or now you've done it a couple of times. Now you feel a little more loose. Well, in the beginning, you know, I have an outline. I had an outline. I also had like very visual aids mm -hmm. as well. Um, but then, you know, since the, another speech I spoke at was Ark of Yates. And so Ark of Yates? it's another branch. It's like Ark of Onondaga, but it's oh. in Penyan, which is in like two hours from Syracuse. Oh, okay. Like an app. Well, not one to two hours from Syracuse. And so, um, and so with that one, not only did I, um, instead of having a bulky outline, I would have, you know, like those, my mom would put together, you know, the flip photo album that had, you know, some of my talking points and stuff. Oh, nice. And then we would have like a PowerPoint presentation. Oh, to kind of help you along with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because when I talk to people about the way that they do different public speaking events, it seems to be everybody's got a different system, but more or less it usually involves like handwriting something down to help reinforce it and commit it to memory, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And would you, would you always be willing to do more speaking events if people asked? I mean, yeah. I mean, with COVID it's been very challenging. Yeah. Right. To get, because, you know, with schools, they were closed for a certain amount of time. And, yeah. um, but yeah, I would definitely, um, if I got asked, you know, do more speeches because I feel like people, um, I feel like people know about autism, but they don't know autism the way I view autism. Right. And not a lot of people realize it's it's a spectrum. Yeah, right? like it's not just a it's not just a cold cut. Everything fits in a box, nice and neat. You yeah, know what I mean, so how important is it for you to educate people? Because it seems like that's one of your big uh, reasons why. Like it seems mm -hmm. like this everything trickles down to to your why, and your why just seems to be to educate people. Yeah, I mean, the way how I educate others is like my speeches is one way my radio show. And then I've also done shared a lot of like social media posts, you know, yeah. Yeah. like little quotes here and there and stuff to get people to really understand and appreciate, you know, the beauty of people that are not like you in a way. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. But it's all that more powerful to hear from somebody who goes through that every day. You know, absolutely. This this was really cool. I'm glad that uh, you reached out to me to do this. This was this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you have 
like any questions for me that you can think of? Like anything that you wanted to ask me? Um, it seems like it was so one-sided. I feel so bad, Nick. I feel like I've just been bombarding you with questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, how long have you lived in Syracuse? My whole life. I've been here my whole life. When I was born in, uh, I was born in Syracuse. Then we lived in Phoenix when I was younger, and then Cicero. Yeah. And then where do we go from Cicero? Another part of Cicero, the North Syracuse, and I'm in North Syracuse now. So I've always went to I went to CNS my whole life. That's actually where yeah. I met TJ. That and uh, our uh, his sisters and my cousins are our friends. So that's how I know TJ. That's the thing about Syracuse. It's a very small world. I always say Syracuse is a small street. Yeah. Doesn't it seem like it? I think we all have connections to each other more than some people would think for sure yeah well cool yeah thanks for doing this man and i what we'll do is send me all your social media links and all that stuff and then uh we'll put it in the show description so people can see and check it out and support you you know wonderful yeah well, cool dude thanks for doing this this was thanks. a lot of fun thanks man